Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. Let's jump into the Word this morning. Um, Last week, we started a new series called From Now On. From Now On, and it comes from a verse in 2 Corinthians 5, where Paul says, from now on, we no longer see people this way. We don't regard people after the way the world sees them. We now see them the way Christ sees them. And then he goes into this passage from verses 15 through 21, and I, I preached that last week, and I just want to pick up verse 17 here. It says, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. In other words, he made us right with God through Jesus. And he gave us, okay, follow me on this. He made us right with God. And then he gave you and I this ministry of reconciliation. He gave us this ministry. What is is ministry? It's spirit-empowered service guided by faith. That was the definition I used last week, that God has given you and I this ministry. He didn't just do this work in us and around us and through us and for us. He's given you and I this ministry to see other people made right with God, each one of us, right? So then verse 19, it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, not counting people's sins against them, And he's committed, here we go again, and entrusted, placed within us, the message of reconciliation. So in each one of us, what is he saying? He's saying, you and I have been given a ministry, and we've been given a message. All of us. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not the guy who's been in the church for 40 years. It's, It's not just someone who knows a lot of the Bible. Every Christian has been given a ministry of reconciliation. In other words, helping other people make peace with God, find forgiveness in Jesus, repent of their sin, get their life sorted, come into alignment, come into the kingdom. God's given that to all of us. It's not just certain people. Every one of us who's been saved, God has given us that ministry that is powerful for us to be reminded of. And he says he's committed and entrusted to us this message this message of the good news, okay? So I'm saying that today to start off by reminding us of where we went last week. And the title of my message today is There's Work to Do. There is work to do. We have a lot of work to do as Christians. Uh, We don't pawn that off on God. God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, and he's given us the message. And so there's work to do. This week, uh, last week, actually, there was a guy who came to repair my, my refrigerator. My freezer was messing up, and this is the second time they've come to fix it. New company came. Uh, this guy was fixing it, tearing everything out, putting all things together, and he was really good. And uh, he, he knew what he was doing. He said, oh, man, I've been doing this for 27 years. I said, dude, that's a long time, 27 years. He goes, yeah, all the people that are, are, are in this field, they're a lot younger than me. There's only a few of us who are doing it at this stage and this age. He's almost 50. He said, oh, I love my job. He goes, I just work Monday to Friday. He goes, I've got the whole weekend off. He goes, I, I got a four-wheeler and a bunch of trails. I ride that all weekend. I said, at 50 years old, you're riding the four-wheelers. He goes, every weekend, having a blast. 
He said, I make all kinds of money. It's great. They gave me dental. They gave me health. They gave me the time off. They paid for a company vehicle. They paid for my training. Whenever I need to do this, they, they ship me off here. They fly me over there. I said, man, this is a great deal. He told me how much he was actually making. He was very open with that. I was like, okay, cool. Can I have some, actually? He said, no. But what was interesting is we, the conversation went on, and he said, you know, the thing, man, is nobody wants to work right now. I said, what? He said, yeah, nobody wants to work. He goes, this job is so, so good. I've been doing this for a long time, but we can't find anybody to work. So what kind of efforts have been made by the company? He said, they, we, we need 1,000 people. We have 100 reps in this area. You all know how busy San Antonio is. I'm not going to tell you the name of the company, right? But they have 100 reps. They need 1,000. This is why some of your delays are happening. And he said, we had two applicants last year. <laughs> two applicants. Okay, now when he said that, it reminded me of what I've heard over the last year and a half, week after week after week, in some area where you work, in your career, I keep hearing this phrase, nobody wants to work. I know there's some circumstances where some people are like, I'd rather stay home after COVID, be with the kids, or work from home, etc. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people who just don't want to work. He's saying nobody wants to work. And that, him saying that, and me hearing it for the last year and a half, week after week, reminded me of a passage in Matthew where Jesus highlights the same thing about the kingdom of God. He says it in chapter 9. It says, Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Okay, Jesus was saying there's a whole lot of people who don't want to do what's important to him. It's in essence, that's what he's saying. There's a lot of work out there, but people don't want to do it. What was this guy with the freezer saying? There's a whole lot of work out there. People don't want to do it. What's Jesus saying? There's a whole lot of work in the kingdom. In fact, the harvest is ready. Like there's people who God wants to bring into his kingdom, but there's very few who give a rip. Very few people who care. They're caught up in their own world. They're doing whatever they want, right? Now, what is that work that he's talking about? It's reconciliation between people and God. People being made right with God. He said there's a lot of people who don't care about that. They're not consumed with that. Now, that's people who will work so that others are made right with God. There are people at, in your family, people who are your friends, people at work, people who need to be made right with God. Work to see others find peace with God. There are people walking with all kinds, all kinds of things going on on the inside of them, lacking peace. But it takes work to see that change. And then people, we need people who are planted long enough in church and in the faith that have spiritual roots so they can nourish others. Right? You ever go to a restaurant and, and you ask somebody what's good on the menu and they know enough just to basically give you a glass of water and tell you that they'll be right back because they haven't tasted anything? Or they say, I just started working here. Or, I don't really know. I've never tasted anything on the menu. Like they're there, but they're not there. They don't know anything. Hello, do y'all go to restaurants? Are y'all the walking dead? Hello? 
And you're, you're, you're getting from people this, this understanding in that exact moment, they're working, but they're not really working. They're there, but they're not there. Like they don't really, somebody who likes to eat said, yep. <laughs> Jesus is highlighting the same thing. He's saying the workers in his kingdom are few. Now, this is a personal conviction I've had for a long, a long time. I don't want to be the person that someone else is praying to God about when it comes to the work. I don't want to be the person where people are saying, well, Daniel's not really interested in praying for anyone, so God sent people who will pray for people. Daniel's not really interested in, in loving people like Jesus loves people. God sends somebody. Daniel's not really interested in, in, in living generously. God sends some people who are generous. God, Daniel's, you know, not interested in doing your work here on the earth. He's just caught up in his own world. Lord, send somebody who cares about what you care about. Now, these things matter because have you ever, have you ever worked with someone who's really lazy? Maybe you brought them today to church and they're from your job and you're sitting next to them today. Just point right next to me and I'll right next to them. See, yeah, he's right here. He doesn't like to work. He's lazy, right? But you work with someone who's lazy, right? They, they sh they're the last to show up, the earliest to leave, always requesting off at the worst times. Uh, <laughs> some of you are that person. You're laughing because you're that person. I'm kidding. Look, you, you work with people who you can tell they don't want to train anyone. They don't want to help anyone. They're just, it's just a check. They're just there. Doesn't help the atmosphere, doesn't help the culture, doesn't help the company, doesn't help move things forward, doesn't help you, especially if you're managing or leading them. Right? They're just, they're there, but they're not there. Okay? Jesus is saying the same thing about his kingdom. There's people who are in it, but they're not about it. They've been brought in, but they really are just kind of like doing their own thing. It's not supposed to be that way. When we say we're Christians, our lives are supposed to have. The Bible calls it the aroma of Christ to a lost and dying world. The aroma of Christ. When you walk into a coffee place, you can smell the coffee. The aroma permeates the air. This is what the Bible says about our lives, that the aroma of Jesus Christ should permeate the atmosphere wherever we are. Whatever we do, how we treat people. Years ago, um, this was probably like 25 years ago, um, was not living for Christ. I was kind of just doing my own thing. Early 20s and going to this bar with a friend of mine. And we're just both there to, to drink or whatever, hang out. And as we're walking in, he looks, looks to his left and then he just kind of shakes his hand. He goes, man. And we're sitting at a table and I'm like, what's, what's the matter? He goes, man, that guy over there, that guy used to be my kids minister director in church. And the guy was trashed. He was just out of it. I said, that guy was your kids minister at church. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, now, I, I wasn't living for God. I was avoiding church. He was not, I didn't know he was a Christian or he used to be a Christian or he used to go to church. And that guy at the bar certainly didn't know that either of us. So all three of us are like incognito, coming in with all whatever's going on, none of us being anything other than in our own world. He's affected by the guy at the bar I'm affected and convicted because my friend is recognizing something about him. I know where I should be. I don't know if that kids minister actually saw him, but if he did, I'm sure he would have felt something. And then my friend said this, I just 
thought, I never thought that I would see someone like him like that. Like that. In his mind, he'd, he'd equated what's going on with the person who raised him in Christ to have gone on to either something greater or to at least not have, have fallen back into this place. And it affected him. This man's life affected him in that way. You know, and it weighed heavy on him that day, that night. You know, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Paul tells this to Timothy. Timothy is a, a son in the faith that he's raising. And he says, as for you, Timothy, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Like anybody who sows into our life in the faith would speak the same thing to us. Be sober-minded, right? To be sober-minded obviously means not, not drunk, right? But, but figuratively, it means to be free from illusion, free from fantasy, like sober-minded, like you'll see in sports when, when a player, his head's down, and he's just, he missed the shot, and he's out of the game, and he's frustrated with himself, right? The players are a cultural shake him. Hey, hey, get your mind in the game. Think straight. Come back. Come back to center. Focus. Focus. Let that go. It's over. Get out, get out of that play. It's gone. Focus, right? Trying to sober their thinking up because you can get lost in your thinking. So here Paul's saying, as for us as Christians, we've got to be sober-minded, because you can get intoxicated in fantasy. You can get intoxicated in offense and bitterness. You can get intoxicated in the love of money. You can get intoxicated and, and live in the fantasy of, of, of your own life and your own world. And then the impact of that, that selfishness, it just snowballs. You can get intoxicated in the influence of sin. And so this is what Paul's telling Timothy. Hey, be sober-minded. Think solid, think straight, and then endure suffering. Now, I don't know how you handle pain, but I like to avoid it personally or escape it or keep it as far back as possible. But here Paul is telling him, the pain you're experiencing for the sake of Christ, endure what you're going through. Endure in and through so that there's a testimony on the other side, endure it. By the strength of God, by the grace of God, by the spirit of God, endure what you're going through. Don't just cave into what you're going to, endure it. And then he says, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, bring, bring the light of Christ, be the salt, be the light to who you're surrounded with. And then fulfill your ministry. Do what God's placed you to do on this earth. If you're a dad, be the dad he's called you to be. If you're a mom, be the mom he's called you to be. The friend he's called you to be. The boss, the employee, the student, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, fulfill that. Don't neglect that. Right? Because here's where we get off. We're not sober-minded. Pain comes. Now we're really not sober-minded. Now we're distracted by the pain. Right? Now we don't want to bring the good news. We just want to deal with our pain. We want to deal with our stuff, right? And then we don't fulfill what we're supposed to be fulfilling. So we're, we're in, but we're not really about what's going on. And we get disconnected. We lose our passion. It happens to us all, right? We, we experience this in some form or fashion. And so what does Paul say in Romans? He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual passion, your fervor, serving the Lord. 
Come on, anybody who's passionate about something, you can tell. They get excited. They talk about it. Like it just exudes from their being, who they are, what they are, what they say, what they do. You can tell when someone's passionate about it. Okay, this, this verse has always been like a foundational rock for me to stand on. Because it feels like a challenge. Because if he's saying, never lose it, that means you can probably lose it. You can lose your passion. Keep it. Keep serving the Lord, right? It's easy to lose passion in life. It's easy to lose passion in life. It's easy to lose passion because of distractions, because of hurts, because of setbacks, because of expectations that weren't met, because of disappointments. It's easy to get knocked off track. So here Paul is reminding us, hey, don't, don't lack in passion because you know what comes next? Delusion. Don't lose your passion because here's what's next, fantasy. Don't lose your passion because here's what's next, indifference. Don't lose your passion because here's what's next, settling. From what a year ago you would have said, not a chance. So be sober-minded, think straight. It would do you well in this season to ask somebody who really knows you, am I thinking straight? Like, am I really thinking straight on this? And if they tell you no, don't unfriend them and cancel them. <laughs> but throw your arms around them, give them a hug and say, thank you. Keep me thinking straight. So in this case, passion is something that has to be maintained. And Jesus is talking about the passion for his work. He's talking about the passion for the kingdom of God, the, the harvest that's out there, lives that are changed, lives that can be changed. Work to see God's kingdom move forward, okay? And in your world, there's opportunity. Our world, there's opportunity. Friends, neighbors, family, people. Now, this goes against the philosophy in our culture to just let everybody believe what they want to believe, let everybody do what they want to do. Their truth is their truth, our truth. That's not what Jesus is actually saying here at all. In fact, it's completely opposite of that. He's saying... There's people who are living life and they're not reconciled with God and you have a ministry and you have a message to change that. So we don't sit in the seat of, well, just let everybody do what they want to do and believe, you know, as long as we're happy and they're happy and that's, that's all that matters. That negates the reason for the cross, our sin, our shame, his resurrection, the infilling of his Holy Spirit his gifts, his talents, empowering us to go into the world, not to stay in the church, but to go into the world, right? Maybe some of us have to reconcile some of that within ourselves this morning, that we think it's God's job to work in everybody else's life and our, our job to just be the audience, when completely opposite is, is what's being spoken here. He's saying you have a ministry of reconciliation. Sometimes that reconciliation is reconciling people's hurts within themselves. Reconciling wounds, reconciling bitterness, reconciling offenses. I mean, there's a whole list. 
It's like that doctor, right? It says, if you have others oh, commercials, if you have these symptoms, take this medicine, right? Like, look at the symptoms in people's lives, okay? And then what is the remedy? Jesus is saying the remedy is for that to be reconciled, made right with God, at the very least, brought to God, not to just live in an experience, Okay, now again, that's a competing philosophy in this world. Like, let people experience their pain, let them sit in their pain, let them just observe the pain and be human in their pain and just feel the humanness and the reality of all of this. But it's absolutely opposite of what Jesus says. When Jesus opens the scroll in Isaiah, the first thing he says in the synagogue is, I came to heal the brokenhearted, not to let them just sit in their pain. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to set captives free those who are in prison, to be released from the captivity that's going, like, there are areas where the enemy wants to hold us captive. And if we're not careful, where life will hold us captive. Where we're not thinking soberly, our mind will hold us captive. When we're not suffering well, suffering will hold us captive. When we're not doing the work of an evangelist, we're just doing the work to pay the bills. Well, we're not fulfilling our ministry, just living life. See, so Paul's saying, I want to bring you back to center here. And this is your bullseye. This is what you're aiming for. This is what you're going for. In all the things you're doing, here's the bullseye. In all the things that are coming at you, here's what you're shooting for. Okay? And, and I'm just going to say, I really think it's time for Christians in this day and age to stop saying I don't know what God wants me to do with my life. I just really don't know what God wants me to do with my life. Okay, like, it's very clear if God has saved you, what he wants you to do with your life. Now, that doesn't mean that crossroads are not confusing and shifts and turns that happen without us knowing that was going to happen. It doesn't mean that that doesn't have some emotional stuff that goes on with it. But at the end of the day, when it comes back to the bullseye that we're shooting for, for us as Christians, this is the mission right here. It's the ministry and the message of reconciliation. What it is is it's evangelistic. It's each one of us living as salt and light. Now, now we've, we hear this all the time, but are we actually doing it? Are we a church that's doing it? I think it's so important to say, say this this morning because every saved person has the capacity to minister to others in some form or fashion. Every saved person has the capacity to minister to others. What is, what is ministry? It's the increase in the strengthening of someone else's faith and maturity in Christ. So like when I was, when I was younger in my faith and wherever I'd be working, people knew I was a Christian because there was just certain things I was not about, I was not doing. And what people didn't understand about me was that I'd been delivered from a lot of craziness and brokenness beforehand. So years before... I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess, now I'm doing better, I'm growing, I'm safe, God's still changing things, I'm moving forward. But people who are meeting me are just thinking, oh, this guy's Mr. Goody Two-Shoes, he's all squeaky clean, never done anything wrong, he goes to church, he reads the Bible, he prays, everything. And that was kind of the attitude, and I would just learn to live within the, the I guess you could say, judgments that were kind of hurled my way. But here's what was interesting. When the shift is over, Guess who people came and talked to? Guess who people whispered, hey, will you pray for me? Guess who people said, where's your church again? 
And, and, and you know, I'm not really like a believer or anything. Like, can, can I still come? Yeah. yeah like, they're not going to, like, it's okay. I mean, I'm, I don't even know if I believe. You can come. It's all right. Like, it's not TSA. We're not going to pat you down. I'm like, you know, turn around, sir. Okay, go in this room over here. We're going to search you. God will search you, but <laughs> we won't. And I learned to live with that very comfortably. To be seen one way, but known another way. Effective another way. Okay? See, reconciliation with God is supposed to be our story. God had reconciled in things, things in me. My pain was no longer my story. God's reconciliation in me was my story. And this is so important for us as believers because it's, it's not just what happened to you that's your story. It's not just what they did or what they didn't do that's your story. And there are people who will convince you that that is your story forever until the day you die and keep you from living in any victory, any hope, any courage, any overcoming spirit, any faith, anything that has anything to do with what Jesus has done. There are people who will keep you living in your pain and tell you that you should have a right to live there. See, Jesus, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus, in the New Testament, Jesus comes and this man has been sick for 38 years. Infirmity for 38 years. And there are healings going on around this, this pool of Bethesda. And he tries to get in the pool, but he never makes it on time. Somebody always gets their healing before he does. So he's, he's annoyed, he's probably bitter. He's frustrated. Why does everybody else get there? So Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to be whole? Which if you think about it, it's kind of an offensive question. It's like if I had a flat tire and road service shows up, they're like, do you want me to change the tire? <laughs> no, I want to camp out here all night. What do you think? Of course I want, you know? It's offensive if you think about it. But let's think about what's actually happening there. When someone has lived some way, somehow, for a certain amount of time, sometimes it's easier to stay how you are with what you think, with what you believe, with what you feel. Sometimes it's easier to just feel what you've always felt and think what you've always thought. And Jesus asks him, what do you want See, Jesus fully knows what he's capable of doing. But this man has to still answer the question for his own life, for himself. Do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be well? See, some people don't want to be reconciled. They want their pain. They don't want, like, I've been ministering for 25 years, so I can say this now. Some people just want their pain. They don't want it to be reconciled. They don't. Now, they want to have coffee and talk about it. They want you to pray about it. They certainly want to bring it up at random times on social media. But they don't want to reconcile it with God. It's a buffet they've been eating at for so long that it becomes so familiar that they don't know their life without it. And so Jesus comes to this man and says, do you want to keep eating at this buffet. It's basically what he's saying. The man is healed, okay? But there are people who don't get healed because they can't answer that question. 
And there are things God wants to reconcile in us. Like when I got saved in my, my early 20s, here's the thing. God would do like this major healing work in me, right? Overcoming whatever. And I'm not going to get into all my stuff today because you guys would be very bored. <laughs> but let's just say there was a lot of stuff in layers God was doing. And so like you go through this, it feels like you're giving birth to your own healing, Right? Then a year and a half has gone by, and you think, God, that was the hardest thing to, like, get through that season and overcome that stuff with whatever, you know, heartbreak or whatever was going on in the past that you're, like, you've kept moving, but you still got this stuff you haven't dealt with. So then God deals with it. Then guess what? You think, oh, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like after they give you a massage at the massage therapist, and you walk out, and you're kind of, like, half drunk. Uh, can you just feel like, thank you. I'll be back next time. Pay you. Pay you well and tip you well and all that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Like, I'm going home to drink water and fall asleep, right? You're, you're, you're just free. You're loose. And then you realize you need another massage. <laughs> and more pain needs to be dealt with. And then you go six months, and then you realize, wow, there's something else in that message that they said today or a line in that song, or something that happened, and I didn't know that was still an issue. And what you learn is that you're serving a God who continues to heal you as you continue to follow him. But in our minds, as Americans, it's one and done, baby. Microwave. God's going to do it all right now. I love it when he does it right now, but sometimes he's on the long-term plan to reconcile things in us that we don't even know need to be reconciled. Come on, remember growing up? I'm teaching you this for your own good. It doesn't feel like it. But there are things God teaches us along the way. And so here's the thing. As you're ministering to others with the message, sometimes the message in the ministry is healing you. As you're giving out, God's giving to you. As you're pouring out, God's pouring into you. As you're praying for someone to receive their healing, you're receiving healing. As you're sowing, you're reaping. See, that's why it's so important for us to remember that when Jesus said, I came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, that he's not just talking about them out there. He's talking about us individually. Ministry is not just for them out there. It's what God wants to reconcile in us. I came to heal the brokenhearted. What needs to be reconciled in you this this season of life? Like what needs to be reconciled? What needs to be made right? What's been like the guy by the pool, just part of an ongoing, if you will, in infirmity? Something that's been nagging you, keeps weighing you down. Causes you to, to lose your passion, to maybe even want to not endure suffering, to, suffering, to, to not fulfill your ministry, to not be sober-minded, to just disconnect, to be numb. Remember, there's a lot of things you can get drunk on besides drugs and alcohol, entertainment, the love of money, all of these things. But Jesus knows that. And he calls us to something different. Can we stand up this morning?
Last week I talked about this, this part of that chapter where verses 20 and 21, it, it's where Paul says he's made us ambassadors for Christ. And he says it this way, as though God were making his appeal through us. As God is pleading and imploring people to be made right through us. As if the world is screaming, help me. And you have the ministry and the message that God has placed within you. And I said last week, if that doesn't excite us, like more than a a bonus at work, then I have to ask, have we fully received the message of what God's actually done in us and for us? Have we fully received that? He won't fail. He won't fail, right? We sing that, but do we believe it? I put my trust in you. Yeah, we sing that, but do we believe it? When the pressure's on, when the suffering's happening, when the unknown is around the corner, when the unfamiliar is knocking on the door, we put our faith in him. He never lets us down. Lord, this morning we we bring to you and lay before you the things that aren't reconciled, the things that aren't made right, the things that lead to distraction, the things that lead to frustration, the things that lead us maybe to keep going around in circles. Lord, today, would you do your work in us, whether it be an immediate work, a miraculous work, the beginning of the work, or ongoing work, Lord, would you initiate today the reconciliation of what needs to happen in us, that change, that exchange. Where we need to forgive, Lord, would you Give us the grace to forgive. Where bitterness is taking root, would you extract that so that it doesn't further poison us and contaminate others? Lord, where there's brokenness, would you bring restoration and healing? Where there's exhaustion, would you bring refreshing and strength? Come on, if you need any of of these things this morning, just begin to ask God right now. Begin to stretch your hands and stretch your faith and reach out to God. Come on, this is your faith. Do you want to be made well? So Lord, what's not reconciled? Reconciled. Where our heart has grown cold, our passion again where indifference has ruled that's somebody else's job when we take up our post and do what we're called to do 
Lord, I pray that Grace Avenue Church would be a church. Like it says in verse 15 of that chapter of 2 Corinthians 5, a church where we no longer live for ourselves, but for the one who died for us. May we be known for that. When people speak of our lives, would they see that? More than anything else, that we abandoned our life a long time ago that we picked up the life that's eternal, a life that counts, a life that matters. Yeah, this morning, I don't know why I thought about this story. I was getting ready to come and... Um, this waiter I used to, to work alongside in restaurants and um, he was a mess and I remember we were at this apartment and he's just you know going through cigarette after cigarette and he's just negative and he's complaining and everything and he sees me and uh, I had a bible <laughs> I was always carrying a bible and uh, he said got anything in that book and that could fix my problems just real negative and like you know real dramatic blew the smoke out <laughs> And it was almost like he had this, this attitude of resistance and like cynicism and everything. Just, and I actually looked at him and I said, not with that attitude. Not with that attitude. He was like, didn't think so. And I let it go because I remember being there get it that wasn't the last of our conversations but that was that was one of them that's not where he stayed but that's where he was at the time sometimes people need to reconcile things that they can't solve in a 30-minute sermon can't be fixed in one counseling session sometimes there are layers and just to anybody today who might be questioning their own reconciliation of what God might be doing let me just ask you this trust him with the process trust him with the process it's like going to the gym like you don't see that you're stronger after one session but if you keep going you keep seeing results and keep getting stronger and if you keep going to God you keep following him you see results you keep getting stronger and that's my prayer for you. Amen. 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 Hey, this Thursday night, is this, I'm sorry, Wednesday night? This Wednesday night, the 12th and then the 19th, we're starting something that's been in my heart. And we still got some availability. You can sign up in the, in the Next Steps area. But these are our forward nights. And uh, I really just had a heart to help people be effective in their places of business and work and family and wherever you're called. Uh, so I'm, I'm taking the next two Wednesdays to really talk about how to be an effective minister where you're at, doing what you do, what you're called to do. Um, so I'd love for you to join me. You can sign up in the lobby Wednesday nights at 7, 7 p.m. Um, and we have child care. Hey, that's good. That's good. Can we say thank you for that? I might come just to leave my kid in there and just... But... Um, 
Wednesday night's going to be good, the 12th and the 19th. Now, uh, last announcement, we were, we're out of time, and Missy's going to come up here. But um, I remember last week I asked you to pray for a building for Grace Avenue Church. Well, your prayers lit a spark, and we will know more Tuesday, but things are looking very, very positive. So be praying for Tuesday. Yeah. Something's cooking in the kitchen, I'll say that. And uh, we'll know more Tuesday. So can you continue to pray? And uh, perhaps next Sunday we'll have some incredible news for you. Amen. Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.